Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Bacon a Mystery. This mystery is going to be really intense. I mean, I don't even know what to say. This was the book called The Woman in the Window. This has been highly requested since two freaking weeks ago when this entire series came about. I was like, oh my god, what do you guys like want me to read next? And everyone's like, what about The Woman in the Window? And I want to say I almost threw this book out of my window about 10 times while I was reading it. Not because it was so riveting, not because it was so good, but because if I have to hear about how the narrator is a drunk alcoholic who mixes her prescription pills with her alcohol, with her bottle of Merlot, with her glass of wine, for one more chapter, I was like, done. There were so many times I put it down, but I will tell you, if you take out all of the repetitive alcoholic parts, the plot... She thickums. Okay, so today's video, if you guys are watching the visuals um, on Miss Mango Bud, or if you guys are listening to it on The Rotten Mango on Apple Podcast or Spotify, welcome, let me into your ear holes. But if you guys are watching the visual version, what's up? Tell me I have a good vest. Um, it's my new vest, sorry. <laughs> so today we're gonna be making a delicious fudge Nutella brownie topped with Ferrero Rocher's and macadamia nuts. It's gonna be a mouthful, and it's gonna be 20 mouthfuls into my mouth. And I'm just gonna start talking to you guys. Also, I. I did notice that a lot of you guys pointed out that I've been using this uh, whisk that looks like this. It's because I only have a whisk that is attached to my, um, what you call it? My handheld whisker. Whisker. <laughs> my whisker. So the woman in the window, it is 400 something pages of just intensity. I mean, there are some parts where it was so dull. And I will say, I mean, I don't know if it's just me. If you guys are impatient, don't read this book. Watch this video instead. Because of both of the books that I've done begging a mystery on, this is one book I would not recommend to someone who is impatient. I mean, from the get-go, you understand that there's going to be some sort of mystery involved, obviously, because of the genre. But nothing really makes you feel creeped out nothing really makes you feel oh my god spooky bits hide your titties something's coming right this one was interesting so it all starts with the protagonist a woman by the name of anna fox now anna fox goes by anna or she goes by dr fox which is very interesting because you learn from the first like in 10 chapters dude you learn that she's an agoraphobic am i saying that right i don't think that i am also, I'm just greasing my pan. Hold on. She's an agoraphobic, which means that she's scared of the outside world. So she has been trapped inside of her New York City townhouse. So she lives in Harlem of New York City, and it's like a brown house. So everything's a brownstone. Everything's just connected together like a townhome, and she just lives there. It's five floors. It's a massive space. She just lives there, and she hasn't really left the house since... 11 months ago, so it's really intense. I mean, she has therapy sessions. She just doesn't like it. So people who have agoraphobia, they just don't like being outside. Like, they can't do casual things like go wait in a grocery store line or be in a small crowd. They just hate being outside. Now, most of the times, agoraphobia is not something that you're born with. It's usually a trauma condition. So you have some sort of crazy trauma happen into your life, and then you're like, I can't do this anymore and so for anna specifically we don't learn what her trauma is from the get-go we just know that she is a ptsd patient for agoraphobia for her hers isn't even people like she's okay with people she will love to hang out with people i mean it's a little overstimulating at times but for her she hates she hates the horizon she hates the sky 
The sky, she feels like there's too much pressure in the sky. It's crushing, it's relentless. She can't look at the sky, it stresses her out. She doesn't even open the windows because she doesn't want to let the outside in. It's very, very interesting, right? So obviously, a lot has happened to her to get to this point because that is not a normal fear that humans are just born with from what I know, right? So she used to be, very interestingly enough, a child psychologist. We also learned that. That's why we call her Dr. Fox. So she used to be a child psychologist and now she quit her job and she's just hanging out at home because she can't leave the house. And it's it's weird. It's a weird vibe. So now she just likes to be in areas where she can really control the environment. She doesn't like anything where she feels out of touch, out of control. It's not her jam. And right from the get-go, I'm just going to give you a rundown on her. I mean, every single week she has a doctor, a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Felsing, who comes to her house and he sits in the little library area. So, I mean, she's obviously loaded. I mean, that's not part of the book. I'm just saying my speculation. The doctor comes every single week to give her more medicine. She She's on like two handfuls of pills. Like she's got some beta blockers. She's got, what do you call it? Antidepressants, you know, things to help her sleep. She's on so many different medications and she loves to pour it all out onto her coffee table like these chocolate chips, grab a glass of wine and just pick up a couple and just eat them all. Like she likes to double dose. So she likes to take two doses at once. Sometimes she'll completely skip and never have any medicine for the day. And then the next day she'll just chug all of them down with some alcohol. I mean, this girl is irresistible responsible that's what we're learning she's irresponsible so dr felding has a big job ahead of him so he comes over once a week and then she also has a woman by the name of bina come over now bina is a physical therapist so she obviously had suffered some sort of accident because we learned that she has a bad back i mean she was recovering from a lot of these things and bina was helping her so she's like okay these two people are allowed to come over they come here and they help me out microwave asmr Now, it's probably important to add that her medication also causes her to freaking hallucinate. So, obviously, she's the world's most unreliable narrator. We don't love to see it, but here we are. So, Anna starts um, doing some weird-ass shit. And you're like, I wonder if this started because of her agoraphobia or if she's always been a weirdo because her favorite thing to do is look outside the window and stare at her neighbors. So she also bought a Nikon camera with a massive zoom lens. And the reason that she bought this was because it's stronger and clearer than binoculars. And she uses it to watch people. So she watches these people live their lives. I mean, she's watched so many people buy a new brownstone near her, move into the townhouse, then the wife ends of cheating they end up getting a divorce selling it back on the market then then another buyer buys it and then the husband ends up cheating and she's like wow i just watch these people on a daily basis it's really creepy now it's very interesting because she also has a husband that she is separated from and it's it's weird because they talk a lot but it seems like they still kind of like each other but you know some shit went down and she has this like crazy feeling towards cheating so you kind of wonder did he cheat did she cheat you know is that why they're not living together or is it the agoraphobia because her husband's name is ed and even though they're separated they take care of olivia together and olivia is staying with ed while she's dealing with all of her trauma and stuff inside this brownstone so they're separated but you can kind of tell that ed kind of still loves her so you know there will be times where she's like 
I shouldn't have said this, but she'll say things like, I miss you. And then she'll hang up because she's like nervous about what he's going to say. Like, does he miss her too? You know, it's like this uncomfortable boundary of like, they're not together. They're separated. They don't live together. But do they still like each other? I mean, are they okay? Like what's going on? And then you have to wonder what's the trauma? Was Ed involved with her trauma that caused all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And he was an architect. He had moved out with their daughter, Olivia, who's eight years old and he's raising her. They have like Chinese night where they just eat Chinese food and they call their mom, et cetera, et cetera. And he he always calls her Slugger. That's his nickname for her. They met when they were young, so she was a child psychologist, he was an architect, and they started bonding over classical movies. So during this entire book, you realize that Anna watches a ton of movies. She loves black and white movies, like how quirky of her. And so she just watches these movies, and this is something that she used to do with Ed, so it kind of brings her back to that like happy marriage phase, right? So they're constantly talking, and he knows that she's creepy. So I'm like, this is kind of shocking. Like he knows that she loves to watch the neighbors. So she's like talking about all the neighbors so she can see about five um, townhomes from all of her different windows so she's got windows in the front of the house and in the back of the house and so in front of the house she can see directly into the miller's house now the millers are very interesting because you've got this wife who is kind of like a housewife she's got a bang and bat she's a blonde and she's very very beautiful and her husband is a doctor a very very accomplished doctor but she's sleeping with the contractor yeah uh-huh and then she like just watches them and one time the wife almost got caught but then didn't get caught and she was like damn it i guess not this time i mean it's just so weird it's it's hard to say if we like anna yet like she seems like a little snoopy booger right and so she sees into the miller's house and then right next to the miller's house there's two two on this side and two on this side and they're kind of like boring right so we've got one with an old couple who hates all these young people gentrifying their neighborhood that's what they say all the time they hate it they want them out of here and then you've got another couple families that are boring and then in the back of her house through her kitchen and from her bedroom she can see into 207 right and unit 207 is interesting because people had just recently moved in and these are expensive areas i mean they had bought that townhome for about 3.6 million dollars and so first she sees um the husband move in and she had already googled them i mean his name is alistair mm -hmm, but we're gonna call him his name is Alistair Russell. He's married to Jane Russell and they have a teenage son together. And he looks just like a creepy dude. So she Googled them. She Googled how much they bought the townhome for. <laughs> she's really creepy. And so she's doing all of this research. And Alistair used to be a consultant at a consultant firm in Boston. And she just kind of assumed like he probably transferred to a New York one or to a different consultant firm. But he's a consultant. And Jane Russell, I mean, I don't know if this is a common name, but there just was no choice of Jane Russell anywhere. So she was like oh she's probably a housewife doesn't have a linkedin you know it makes sense you know and so she moved on with her life and it's very interesting because this is the family that she becomes the most intrigued by and her therapist thinks it's because they have the fa same family dynamic as her ed and olivia so it's just two parents and one kid so they have a teenage son by the name of ethan now the other families they have either no kids or tons of kids but this one maybe she just sees that as oh she like if we weren't separated like that's what my life could have been like like that's the future me and if I didn't have this trauma I would just have a normal life like this family so she watches them move in she watches literally their every move she gets her Nikon camera and just snoopity dupes at them it's so creepy now as she's snooping all of a sudden her doorbell rings 
And she's like, who the fork is that? I'm not expecting any visitors, right? Mm -hmm. And she starts freaking out. And this is kind of when you can tell, like, goddamn, like, she's got a lot going on. So prior to this, she just watches movies. She plays online chess like a mother forker. Like, she loves playing online chess. And then the other thing that she does is she likes to go on this website called Agora, which is a lot of agoraphobics. They go on there and they start talking to each other, right? And so she'll start DMing them. They'll have, like, community sessions. And so she's just been doing this all the time. And she hates it when people knock on the door and she's like i'm not expecting anyone like i don't this is not what i want so she starts freaking out she looks outside of her doorbell and it's freaking ethan the teenage boy that belonged to the russells ethan russell the couple that just moved in the one that she keeps stalking because they remind her so much of her own family if she didn't have trauma and so he knocks on the door and she's like okay i mean i guess you can come in and she said immediately she really liked ethan i mean he just was not a regular teenage boy so he's 17 years old and he just was so sweet and he said oh i'm here because my mom wanted me to drop off this candle it's like a lavender scented candle i hope you like it and she was like wow like you've got some what do you call it manners manners and she's like aren't i supposed to be the one dropping off stuff to you guys you guys are the new neighbors and he was like yeah my mom's a little bit extra it's fine and so she was like well how about you come in let me light this candle she offers him a, a glass of water now mind you there are two other people living inside of anna's house so you've got punch the cat don't punch the cat but that's the name of the cat is punch and then she has a tenant by the name of David, which is crazy because like you're an agoraphobic. Why would you have someone? And we learned that it's because her therapist had told her, listen, it's nice to probably, especially after you and your husband separated, your husband can't go do all these things for you anymore. It's nice to have a tenant, give them some discounted rent and they can do things like take out the trash because she literally doesn't even like to go to the bottom of her steps. She doesn't even like to go onto our balcony. She has a rooftop deck. She doesn't go up there. She hates the outside. And so she was like, okay, that sounds good so she gets david to move in and he's just like this younger hot looking dude um those are her words not mine don't be looking at me like that <laughs> and so he's just never home and so ethan she's like kind of excited to have someone in the house so she's like please take a seat ethan takes a seat he's hanging out with punch and she knew right off the bat like ethan was chill he was cool because punch likes ethan and punch and hates everyone punch wants to punch everyone so she's like wow i can't believe my cat likes you my cat hates everyone and he's like yeah i think animals just like me and she's like well tell me about it do you like your new place and he being the emotional teenager that he is he starts crying this is their first meeting and he starts crying because he said my parents want me to love it here but i miss my friends in boston and he starts crying his eyes out and she's just like holy shit now kind of the child psychiatrist in her pops out of nowhere and she's like let me help you and so she's like tell me about it and she's sitting there just like cross-legged as if she was you know a child psychologist all over again and he's like well my dad's kind of strict he won't even let me have a phone or an email and since we moved to new york he wants me to be homeschooled all of a sudden and i can't even go swimming anymore and she's like swimming he's like yeah when i was in boston i used to teach disabled kids how to swim and i really loved it and they don't want me to do it anymore they just want me to stay home and be homeschooled and try to get into a good college and i'm so miserable and she's like goddamn right and he's like 
is that your daughter? He sees a picture of their family. And she's like, yeah, she doesn't live with me, but she's eight, so she's a lot younger than you. And he was like, oh, she looks nice. And she's like, yeah, her birthday is Valentine's Day. And he's like, that's kind of cool, right? So they start bonding. She's trying to build a rapport with him because, you know, she doesn't want to freak him out. And he's just overall very likable. That's also when we learn that his bedroom is facing her bedroom. And she's like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. And she's like, you know what? Why don't you borrow this movie? Like, you seem bored. You don't like homeschooling. You don't have your phone. And you only have like limited access to the computer why don't i give you this black and white movie he's like black and white and she's like no i swear it's actually so freaking good and so she's like okay he takes it and at the end he asks for a glass of water and she's like here you seem really thirsty and he's itching his nose and he goes yeah i'm allergic to cats and she's like you've been petting my cat punch the whole time and he's like he is so friendly, I didn't want to offend him. And so she realizes that maybe something's going on because he seems to be really nice for a teenage boy. And it does seem like his dad is super controlling and just kind of overall bossy and creepy. And she wonders maybe he's abusive. And so Ethan leaves and she starts watching some movies. And she starts kind of thinking about her days as a child psychologist. So she used to have 19 tiny little patients children so she's have 19 patients and she kind of misses it but she knows that until she can take care of herself she can't take care of anyone else right so she thinks about how ethan is so similar to them she just kind of misses her job and no normal life and now it's halloween night like we don't even know if it's been days it's halloween night halloween night approaches and she's like i don't even want to put candy out there and david's like i think we should put a bowl of candy out there obviously you're not going to open the door for people but we should put a bowl of candy out there and she's like have you ever been a kid the the minute that we put a bowl of candy out there one little kid is gonna take it all and so she decides not to and that's when her house gets egged so people start coming around and they start throwing these eggs just whack whack whacking them onto her house and she starts panicking like she's having a massive panic attack because this is her house this is her safe spot and now people are throwing eggs at it it's really scary are they gonna ever stop she doesn't know what to do and she almost feels ashamed because it's like all she has to do is open her door and yell at these stupid kids to not egg her house and they probably would get scared and run away because you've got this middle-aged woman yelling at them but she can't do it and so they keep coming i mean she thought it was just gonna be one or two eggs but then it's a third and then a fourth and then she was like fuck it and she opens the front door and walks outside and the kids start laughing at her and she has a panic attack and the next thing she remembers is just tasting blood in her mouth and being on the cement like she had collapsed in the panic attack so it's not a joke it's very serious she literally cannot go outside without having these massive panic attacks. She doesn't even know who helped her, but somehow someone had helped her back into her room, into her house, and they were just like, are you okay? You know, and she's like looking up and she's kind of rubbing her eyes and she's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. And she looks up and she goes, you're Jane Russell. Now the lady's like, because that's creepy. Like, imagine not introducing yourself to your neighbor, but they already know your name. And she goes, I, I met your son who came over, Ethan. Um, he told me your name was Jane. Um, <laughs> and she's trying to make up for it because Ethan did not tell her her name's Jane. She's just been Googling too much. So Jane helps her inside and she's like, oh, your son's so nice. He dropped off the candle that you gave me. And she was like, oh yeah, he's really amazing, right? And she's talking about her son and she's like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And so she tells her, I'm an agoraphobic. I can't go outside without 
about having panic attacks and she even tells her you know one time I had people deliver groceries and usually they leave it at the top front door for me and David to grab but they had left it at the bottom of the steps of the townhouse and I thought you know I could just grab those and quickly come up to the kitchen and put them away and I fainted so she was like it's really bad and so Jane was like yeah I mean everyone's got their weaknesses and it seems like Jane's really nice so obviously Anna's like you know Jane and Ethan immediately they're the same why are they so freaking likable like she loves the both of them already so then Jane is like don't worry about it enjoy your Halloween night and maybe I can help you clean up the eggs another day because obviously her house had been egged and so she's like thank you so much and she leaves now at this point she starts watching some more movies and going online and talking to a bunch of people and it seems that she likes to help people without helping herself so it's very interesting because we see that she's mixing her prescription drugs with alcohol but like she's also giving advice on agora right so she's introduced to a username by the name of grandma lizzie now grandma lizzie her husband richard had just recently passed away she lives on a farm in montana and she can't go outside anymore like it's like this weird feeling of she can't understand how the world is still functioning when the only person she loves is like gone like it's hard for her to understand she freaks out when she goes outside now and she was referred to Anna's username for help and so Anna starts talking to her and this is the first time that Anna starts connecting with someone as deeply like she gives up her username she gives up her name her occupation she's like well I'm Lizzie like I live in Montana and she's like well my name's Anna and I live in New York you know and you can see that they're really bonding so it's very interesting it's it's weird honestly and then the rest of her life goes back to the mundane of just being home all day and there's a lot of issues inside the house she doesn't like cleaners coming in to clean the house so it's super dusty I mean you're talking five levels 4,000 square feet there's a lot going on I mean just a ton one thing about the house that she loves so much is the skylight that limits the sky so she has this skylight that goes down all the way in the middle of the stairs like you would imagine like a big expensive townhome to have and it's an original skylight from like the 1900s and it's an oval shape and she loves it so freaking much but she notices next to the skylight there's like some sort of leak on the ceiling so she's like David like come help me fix this leak and he's like yeah you probably need to paint it over you probably need to have some professional work done and she's like okay I'm gonna do it and he's like you definitely need to replace the skylight and she's like I can't this is an original and he's like yeah well it looks like just one small storm and that it's gonna come flying through the window like you need to replace it foreshadowing much and so then she's like okay sounds good I'll replace the skylight but she probably won't so then the doctor stops by and this is the first time that we actually meet him in the story other than just knowing that he stops by once a week and he seems to be very caring now he also realizes a lot about Anna that she doesn't even realize she's talking about Jane she's talking about Ethan and he's just like you know I think that you're a little bit overstimulated and she's like yeah that's exactly what Ed said that these people are gonna overstimulate me and I'm just gonna be back where I started but I can't help it they're so intriguing he's like I don't know and so he decides to prescribe her more medication more than she was already on and he said I'm gonna up your dosage I mean she knows what that means she was a child psychologist she knows that means she's not doing well right now so she's like okay I'm gonna take it and you can already tell that he knows her habits because he keeps telling her don't take these with alcohol don't take these with alcohol that's when we also learned that she has been out a couple times during the past 11 months and he had offered to take her out again but she didn't want to so they have a secret trick 
Now with this secret trick is that she has Ed's old umbrella from like when they first started dating that they just kept for so long and she will use that umbrella because it's massive. It's a huge umbrella and she'll use it to block the sky and she'll try to go outside so she can't see the sky even if it's sunny, even if it's not raining, she uses this umbrella and at first she would go off onto the rooftop, then she would go out onto the street and then it just became too much and she hasn't been outside in months and so she's like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to get more of the medication that he prescribed, but I'm definitely going to down it with some alcohol. <laughs> so she starts getting the medication. It gets delivered straight to her door. She doses it down with some more wine and she decides she's freaking bored. What should she do today? She grabs her little Nikon camera and she's like, I'm going to freaking look out my kitchen window and look at Jane Russell. Like there's something about that family. I don't know what it is, but I like them. And so she grabs her little camera and she starts zooming up on them. And Jane Russell, Alistair Russell, and Ethan Russell are all in the living room, right? And she's just watching them. And it's super creepy. When all of a sudden, Jane turns around and looks straight into her camera and waves. And so she's like, what do I do? And so she drops her camera and she's like, okay, I'm gonna hide. I'm not gonna wave back. I'm not gonna act like, oh, no, I was just taking a picture of that bird, right? And so she starts hiding and ducking and she's like, oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. And she's panicking. She's like, okay, whatever. I'm just gonna knock out. I'm gonna t drink some wine, take some pills, knock the f out. And then she hears a knock on the door and she's like, oh, what is that? Wait, did she actually see her? Yeah. Ah! Isn't that the most embarrassing thing ever? It's scary it's not embarrassing <laughs> okay fine it's a little scary but also embarrassing no hell yeah oh my god how did they see her i mean she had her lights on whoa what are you putting in i'm putting in little chocolate wafers nutella and macadamia nuts and then whoa. we top it with the rest of the batter whoa why <laughs> I know. It's illegal, honestly. This is so much. The amount of chocolate in here. Wow. Okay, let me just scoop this, put it in the oven, and I'll be right back. So she's freaking out when the doorbell rings, and finally she's like, okay, I mean, obviously I can't avoid this. I think it's gonna be Jane. She's probably gonna tell me off on, like, why the f are you looking at our house with a camera? Like, I thought you were chill. I thought you were cool, but you're just a freak, you know? And so she's like, shoot. She opens the door, and there stands Jane with two bottles of wine, and she says, you must be really bored. <laughs> and so she walks in, and she's like, I don't even know what to do. Like, Anna's face is completely red. She's embarrassed. She's shamed. Like, she doesn't even know how to justify something like this. Like, what does she say? I just wanted to catch, like, the birds flying by, you know? And she's like, ah, what do I do? What do I do? And so he's, she's like, oh, is that why? And she starts pointing at the TV, and she's like, you're watching way too many black and white movies. These are so boring. Like, no wonder you're so bored. And so Anna's like, oh, God, what do I do? And so she's like, where's your wine glasses? She starts pouring her a bunch of glass of wine, and they start drinking together and Jane is super chill. I mean, it seems like she's not being judgmental. She's like, I get it. Like, you don't leave your house. I mean, how much entertainment can you really get inside your house? And so they start talking, and they just start having so much fun. They start playing chess together, and Jane sucks at chess. <laughs> so they start playing chess together. She's like, wow, you've got a lot of pills. And she was like, I know, right? So she pours all of her pills onto the coffee table, and she's like, what's this one for? And Anna's like, well, that one's for anti-depression. And then she's like, what's this one? 
done for. And she's like, oh shoot, I forgot to take those. And she takes them and she swallows them with some wine and she's like, wait, did I already take these? So obviously you can tell that girl is a little bit of a druggie. She's got a little bit of a habit. And so Jane is there laughing with her and they're just talking and playing chess and they realize that they have the same birthday, November 11, and they always say 11-11 and they start bonding. Jane is really, really cool. So they get drunk and Jane's like, give me a piece of paper. So she grabs a piece of paper, grabs a pencil and she starts just drawing stuff. And she's like, Anna, just sit there, right? And Anna's like, don't forget my double chin, you know? And she's like, get out of here. And she's super nice. And she draws a picture and she turns around and she's like, look, it's you. And it was, and it was signed Jane Russell at the bottom. And she was like, are you a fucking artist? Like, I thought you were a stay at home wife. Are you an artist? And she's like, well, I just like to draw. It's like a party trick. So they bond over that. And she's like, isn't there something you like to do? And Anna was like, well, I used to be really into photography. And she was like, I can tell. <laughs> she's like, no, not of like people. Okay, you know what? Fair enough. Fair. Touche. Not into like people, but like nature back when I used to be able to go outside. And so Jane is like, well, you shouldn't wait till you die to do something. And they look outside the window and there's this beautiful sunset. So she's like, it, you're right so she takes out her iphone and takes a little picture of the sunset it's really pretty and they start talking some more and you know jane has these beautiful pearl earrings on and anna's like those are really pretty are those from alistair and she's obviously trying to be nosy and jane's like no they're from an ex-boyfriend and she's like does he know does he care and she's like that they're from an ex-boyfriend or that i am wearing them and she's like i don't know and she goes he probably doesn't know my daddy even noticed and so she's like oh what's wrong with alistair He's a good dad. He's an amazing dad. He's just um, a little bit controlling. He's a little bit unforgiving. That's the word. What do you mean unforgiving? Well, Jane used to be a wild child. So when they first met, Jane was kind of a partier. She really wasn't ready to have kids. I mean, she looks like a young mom. She definitely wasn't ready to have kids, but she ended up falling in love with Alistair. They ended up getting pregnant, decided to keep the baby, get married, you know? And even after having the baby, it took her a while to calm down and realize, I need to be a good mom. And because of that, anything that Jane does now, Alistair sees it as like, oh my God, here you go again, like off to the deep end. You're gonna fuck shit up again like here you go with your old ways you know and so she's like oh like i feel bad for you girl and so finally after two and a half hours of playing chess and of all these you know fun things that they do she finally leaves she's like i gotta get home before alistair gets home and i'll see you later so she gives her a hug and she leaves and she's like holy like this is the first time I'm connecting with someone and I really like them so she tells Ed about everything and he doesn't seem as happy he's like like I said you need to tell your doctor you just you shouldn't be overstimulated remember what happens when you get overstimulated just be careful and she's like don't worry so then that night she's like you know what maybe i am overstimulated so she takes more drugs and she starts drinking more alcohol and she starts watching tv and then she gets another knock on her door and she's like holy sh I'm freaking popular these days. So she goes, and it's freaking Alistair Russell. So she's holding on to her tits, and she's like, what do I do? What do I do? She's like, I'm so drunk. He's going to know I'm drunk. Like, I'm forked up, dude. And she's like, okay, I'm going to just open it and pretend like I'm normal. So she opens it. She's got a robe on, and she's like, how can I help you? <laughs> and so he's like, can I come in? And she's like, absolutely. And so he comes in, and he's like, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Alistair Russell. And she's like, nice to meet you. And he's all like, did you have any visitors today? Um, no, I didn't. She didn't want Jane to get in trouble because it seems like he is really crazy controlling. Probably like your stereotypical abusive, you know, husband. And so she's like, no visitors. And Alistair looks at the chessboard and goes, really? And she looks at it and she goes, my tenant loves playing chess. 
we play chess together all the time. How would you know that I don't love chess? And he's like, oh, so nobody has come to visit. Nobody. She's like, nope, nobody at all. And he's like, okay, thank you. And she's like, oh yeah, thank your wife for the candle. And he looks at it and he goes, I thought you said you had no visitors. No, your son dropped it off a couple days ago. What day? I don't know. Like, was it Sunday? I don't know. Saturday? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? And she starts freaking out. Like, at first she was drunk and she was being a little complicit. She's like trying to protect Jane Russell. But then she's like, wait a second. You all up in my house asking all them questions. And she's like, why does it matter? And he was like, it doesn't thank you and he leaves and she's like what a freaking weirdo and so it starts getting really dark and she's like that was just so weird so she decides to go to her kitchen window grabs her nikon looks through it and in the living room she sees jane and ethan sitting on one side of the couch together and alistair sitting on the other one like a little teacher like giving them rules and shit. and she's like Ugh, just looks so bad like imagine a family perfectly happy living in this four million dollar townhome but she's like that's one thing i learned about child psychology no family is the same no matter how much you think you know a family every family member has their own secrets and no family will you ever really understand and so she was about to take a picture but she was like no that's not why i got this camera i never really take pictures like i just look but for some reason she just felt compelled to take a picture but she just didn't she's like it's a little weird and so she wakes up in the morning and she's throwing up the bis was wasted so she's throwing up and she's like god like what happened last night and she was like oh yeah that lady came over and i drank so much wine with her and i think i double dosed my medication and she's looking around and she's like did the lady even come over like am i that crazy and so she walks downstairs and sure enough were all the wine bottles that jane had brought because jane is a white wine drinker and now anna she's a red wine drinker so she's like i would never buy white wine a trash um and so she's like oh no okay yeah i'm not crazy like i genuinely did not hallucinate that entire interaction i'm fine and so she's looking around and she's like man i need to stop double dosing with alcohol that is bad and she starts kind of cleaning up and she's talking to ed and she's like this is i mean it's crazy no and then she's like i i wish you could be here and he's like he's about to say something and she's like i miss you and he's about to say something and she's like wait i gotta go i hear a sound so she just like confesses her love for her separated husband i mean i don't even know if she's still drunk at this point and she's like i gotta go i hear a sound so she rushes downstairs and it's david david's there he's looking for an exacto knife like a box cutter and she's like why do you need that i mean i think i have one and ed's old you know like toolbox that he had left i mean i guess we can go try digging at it from the utility closet and he's like okay that sounds great like i really really need it and so she's like okay so they go together and they open up the toolbox and sure enough there's an exacto knife and he's like thank and she's like what do you need this for and he's like oh i'm gonna go over to the russells to help them unpack they wanted me to assemble some furniture so it, david's entire occupation is just being like a handyman so he had put up posters in the local like coffee houses on the street and you know the russells had called them and so he was like i'm just gonna go help them with their furniture and she was like oh okay well just okay david ends up leaving to go help the russells with their furniture and she starts talking to olivia and she's eating lo mein again because they have chinese once a week you know and she's kind of having some trouble with olivia because she no longer calls her mommy she calls her mom and she doesn't like that she wants her to call her mommy but olivia's eight now so olivia calls her mom i mean i don't know if that's pertinent to the story okay but she's really upset by this she's like really just bothered by this little distinction she's like mom and she's like mommy and she's like no mom and she's like me <laughs> and she's like yes your mom and she's like no mommy okay anyways i digress and so then she has a therapy session and she's telling her therapist all about this and then she says i just wish i 
I wish we didn't go to Vermont. And he's like, I know, I know. We've talked about this, you know, and how do you feel? And she goes, if we didn't go to Vermont, I wouldn't have this trauma and I could just go outside like a normal person. And I could have a normal life and a normal family. And instead I'm just in here all day, just all day, I can't leave. And he was like, I know how you feel. So it seems like something fucking happened on a winter vacation in Vermont that she, for some reason, doesn't want to fully talk about, but like some shit went down and now she can't go outside, okay? Now we're talking about her few friends. Bina comes over, Bina gives her more therapy, and Grandma Lizzie, she starts telling Grandma Lizzie so much advice. So Grandma Lizzie's old. She didn't even know Agora, this website existed. Like she's old and then got agoraphobia and then her psychiatrist was like, check out this website. There's a community there. And so Grandma Lizzie is like, you know, life is so confusing. I don't know what to do, like I'm depressed. And, you know, she was like, I think that you should donate Richard's clothes. I know it sounds scary, but once you do that, I think even your husband would appreciate that. He would appreciate that his clothes are not being just collecting dust. And then maybe after that, it's easier to move on, you know? And she's giving her all this advice and she's talking about, oh, the other day I locked myself out of the house and it was just sheer terror, you know, this grandma. She has agoraphobia and she locked herself out of the house. It was just panic after panic and she didn't know what to do. And she's also talking about how she like this is a whole new world like it sounds really bad but her husband paid all the bills and did all of these things and now they want all these like online accounts and so she's helping her she's like okay i'm gonna get you a maintenance man in montana i'll look around in your local area and she's like oh my god you are the biggest sweetheart ever and she was like and i know you're really bad with computers because grandma lizzie always talked about it and she was like okay here's what i would do if i were you just use one of your son's birthday what did what did you say their names are again Bo and William, yeah, just use one of their birthdays. That's what I do. And like, it's sometimes what I do is like, I'll change the letters of someone's name to numbers. So let's say you have William, maybe it's a W and then a one, you know, and maybe that'll help you remember the passwords better. So she's really trying to help this woman while she's taking pills and drinking wine. It's like, who are you to help someone? And so she's done with that conversation, drinking some more wine, watching some TV and around five o'clock PM, she hears a blood curling scream, like not a scream that you hear normally, not kids playing, but a scream where something really terrible is happened she can't pinpoint it with some it was going down so she starts freaking out she looks outside in the front of her townhome she looks to the sides she looks to the back and that's when she's like oh my god i'm pretty sure it was coming from the russell's house and she waits and sure enough there's another scream so she's like oh my god this is so bad and so she rushes to her landline and she picks up her phone because her landline had been disconnected it was a whole shit show and she picks up her phone and she immediately dials the russell's house and ethan picks up and so ethan is like hello and she's like, hey, I just heard a scream. What happened? And he goes, it's, it's fine. What do you mean it's fine? Did something happen? No, it's, it's fine. He just lost his temper again. It's, it's, it's fine. And he's crying, obviously. And he's like, do you need help? And he goes, uh, no, just stay out of it. And then he hangs up. And so this time she's like, okay, obviously like this is her child psychologist instincts are kicking in. She's got to help this boy. This boy needs help. And so she immediately redials the phone, hoping that he's going to pick up. But instead, Alistair picks up and it's just that cold voice again. This is Alistair. And so she rushes to the kitchen window and she's watching him through her camera while she's on the phone and he's pacing around his kitchen. And she's like, turn around, turn around. I want to see your face. And she's like, I heard a scream. And he's like, oh. I don't know anything about a scream. Um, what? <laughs> and she's like, no, I heard it coming from your house. No, you didn't. I mean, it's just me and my son here. Why would there be a scream? Neither of us screamed. And she was like, no, I'm sure of it. I heard a scream. And he turns around and he puts down a hammer 
And he says, you did not hear a scream. I don't know what you heard, but it wasn't a scream. And if it was, it wasn't from here. Anyways, I've got to go. I've got another call coming in. And he hangs up on her. And he leaves the phone on the counter, picks up the hammer, and walks out of the kitchen, out of view. And so she's freaking out. So she's watching all of the levels of that townhome, just hoping that she can get a glimpse of something. And she's looking for Jane because obviously it seems like he's losing his temper on Jane. And that's when she sees Jane rushing through the front door, rushing out like a little scared meerkat, she said, just looking around, scared, looking back up, and then running away from the townhome. Her roommate David comes home and she's like, were you just at the Russells helping them with furniture? And he was like, well, I left a little bit earlier today. And she's like, where were you at five o'clock? I don't freaking remember. And she's like, did you hear a scream? No, I didn't hear anything. So she's like, huh, am I going crazy? Like, what's wrong with me? And so she's waiting. And then all of a sudden the doorbell rings and it's Ethan and he was crying. So she opens the door. His eyes are bloodshot. They're super red. And this is the second time they've met. And both times he's been crying. So she's like, okay, some shit's going on in that house. So she gives him a hug. And while she's giving him this hug, she's trying to look for signs of abuse, like bruises on the back of his arms, you know, things like that. And she can't find any. But just because there's no physical abuse doesn't mean abuse isn't happening. And so she's like, tell me what's going on. And he's like, I'm so sorry for hanging up on you and being mean to you on the phone. I just, I was just scared. I don't, I don't even know why I'm here right now. I just, I wanted to leave the house for a second and I didn't know where else to go and I don't know what to do. And she's like, is your dad mad? Is he hitting your mom? Like, what's going on? And he was like, no, dad was just angry. It's okay. Like, it's fine. He's fine now. I, I should go back. And so he starts leaving and she's like, no, no, it's okay. Like, you can stay. Are you scared of your dad? And he says, no, no, he just, he just likes to talk about things he'll do, but he never does it anyway. So it's okay. It's okay. And she's like, that's not okay. Then like, that's not okay. And so he was like, do you have a phone? Not yet. He said, maybe I'll get one for my birthday. And so she's like, okay, well take my number. So she gives her number on a piece of paper and gives it to him and says, give it to your mom too. Okay. So she has my number and you guys can call me anytime. Okay. And so he says, thank you. And he leaves. Now again, she decides to kind of take away this harsh feeling with a bunch of pills and some more alcohol. And she goes into the shower and she's feeling really loopy and she's just sitting in the shower like this. And she opens her eyes and she had written the name Jane Russell all over her shower in the steam. And she's like, huh. So you start to feel this feeling of like, is this crazy? Like, is everyone crazy? Who's crazy here? Is maybe the Russells just a normal family and she's like dramatizing it in her head where like maybe ethan's just a teenage boy who like wants to go to prom but like his dad won't let him you know what's going on and that's when we start opening up with anna's trauma now anna decides to confide in grandma lizzie and it seems like grandma lizzie is probably the closest person to her at this point and they are just communicating via the internet so grandma lizzie is like a 70 year old grandma who lives on a farm in montana and something about that just like makes her feel like i, I like this lady she's she's weird she's she was weird. She, just, she doesn't even know how to use emojis and shit. So she's like, I feel like I can just talk to her without her judging me. Like all these younger people, they're so judgy. Like middle-aged people, all these middle-aged housewives, judgy. And so she's telling her like, so they went to Vermont during their winter break. And Olivia loves Vermont because all of Olivia's friends went, well, they're not really friends, they're like school acquaintances. They all went to Vermont and they were like, oh my God, you can like go skiing in Vermont. And so Olivia was like, mom, I wanna go to Vermont. So I planned this massive trip going to Vermont and we bought these ski jackets. I booked this resort. And 10 days before the trip, Ed and I decided to separate. And it seems like something happened. So she didn't really tell Grandma Lizzie, but it seems like either 
you know, it seems like she cheated. That's what I was thinking when I was reading this. It seems like she cheated. And so, you know, they decided not to tell Olivia until after the trip because they don't want to ruin Olivia's first trip to Vermont. And so they were just going to be like, okay, we're just going to be a happy family in mother freaking Vermont. So they go to Vermont. They check into this resort. Winter is a coming. It's snowing. They go skiing the first day. The second day is great. And then the third day, Ed approaches Anna and says, listen, I, I need to tell Olivia. Like, I can't pretend to be happy like this amazing family holding hands with you in front of her daughter like i don't want to do this anymore and she was like okay well don't blame me if we ruin olivia's trip and he says but i do blame you i blame you for everything and he walks out and anna kind of felt bad telling this to grandma lizzie because i mean imagine her husband just died and she's talking about how she probably did something bad to her husband and they were divorcing when the trauma came like the trauma came because you know of separation versus death she was like what is she gonna think of me so she's having second thoughts and she's like maybe i shouldn't finish the story and that's when grandma lizzie logs off so she logs off the chat and she's like oh my god like i forked up and so she's really upset by this like the fact that she had upset grandma lizzie like this so she grabs her pill bottles and downs a bunch of pills with a bunch of wine and she's like whatever i'm just gonna hang out she turns on a movie a very creepy movie a black and white movie and she starts looking out the window again and she's grabbed her nikon camera and she's watching the rustles it's her favorite thing to do these days so she's watching the rustles and she sees jane in the living room and and she's like, oh, I wonder if she's going to say hi. I almost want her to say hi so she can like come over and we can drink again. And so she's watching her and she's walking a little bit weird, Jane. So she's like, oh, maybe she's drunk too. Like maybe if I could just walk over there and drink with her, have fun with that babe. And she's kind of like, sta- like walking like this. And then she turns around and she's holding her stomach and there's blood everywhere. And so she sees this through the camera and it looks like Jane is looking at her and points at her and mouths help and then she grabs her hand up to the window and then she collapses leaving this hand streak of blood on the window so she starts freaking out and she's like oh my god i gotta call the police i gotta call the police what do i do so she throws her camera on the ground she reaches for the landline in the kitchen the landline has been disconnected david had told her to plug it in she freaking forgot so then she runs up to the next floor which is her study her office is there so she grabs her computer and she's like what do i do you know she's typing in skype and all of these things and skype is like sorry you cannot make 911 calls off of skype it is not a telephone service so she's like fork so then she runs up all the way to the top floor and she goes to her bedroom and she goes through her sheets and finally she finds her phone and she dials 911 and she says hello hello my neighbor has been stabbed please help my neighbor has been stabbed and they say okay miss you need to calm down what's your name my name is anna fox my neighbor has been stabbed my name is anna fox my neighbor has been stabbed she gives her address you know and they say how do you know your neighbor has been stabbed again and she said i i saw them i saw the stab i saw the stab and they ask her anna did you stab your neighbor And she says, no, no, I didn't. And she's looking outside of her bedroom and she can see the Russell's house from her bedroom. And she sees another hand go up to the bloody streak. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, she's alive. And she's like, okay, the ambulance is a couple blocks away. I am right there. I can save her. 
And so she throws her phone on the ground in her bathrobe, runs all the way downstairs, counts to three, grabs her secret umbrella, opens the door, and starts running out with her umbrella. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to close my eyes most of the time, open them, close them, open them. And so she's closing them, running, bumping into things, and then opening them, looking around under her umbrella so she can really only see the floor. And she's like, breathe, don't have a panic attack. We just need to get to Jane's house. And she's like, breathe, breathe, breathe. And she's like, oh my God, where am I? And there's this tiny little park separating their houses. Mm -hmm. And so she's walking into the park and she's like, I'm in the park, right? And she's like, okay, if I go through the park, then I can probably get through this. And then she starts kind of hyperventilating. And she's like, wait, I hear an ambulance. I hear an ambulance. Okay, I just have to follow the sound of the ambulance and then I'll end up at Jane's house. And so she starts following the sound and then she wakes up in a hospital. She had really tried. I mean, even while she was outside and with the umbrella, she was thinking to herself, like, she had this one kid that was a patient of hers, and she had what was called selective emotional detachment, which means she hates the touch of family members. If her mom even tries to hold her hand, she gets angry. She doesn't like it when her friends say, I love you, or like, hey, like being nice and gives her a present. She gets angry. But when strangers come around, she loves talking to strangers. So she has this weird emotional detachment to the people that are closest to her. And she said, you know, I need to be like this girl in this moment because I need to love the unknown more than what I know. And so she's like trying to do all of that, but she ends up having a panic attack and passing out, right? Now, when she wakes up in the hospital, we get to another flashback of what happened in Vermont. So Olivia (laughs) was really pissed off about the divorce news and she ran out of that hotel room and ran into the lobby and you know the parents were running after her and she's like fuck you guys right and then the parents you realize that obviously their relationship was not great because they just told their kid that they're getting into a divorce and they end up having another argument of like how did she learn that word where did you where did you learn the word and they start no you say the word a lot and so they start arguing ed and anna start arguing again and they're like you know what okay forget this we need to think about olivia so olivia is like i want to go home I don't want to be here. You ruined Vermont. I want to go home, you know? She's acting like a typical, what, like five-year-old, right? She's like, I want to go home. And so then they're like, fuck, okay. So she goes up to the receptionist and she's like, hey, is there a storm coming? We heard some news about a storm. And she's like, the winter storm should be coming like maybe in a couple hours. No heavy snowfall till then. But I, I don't know. Winter storms are kind of unpredictable. And she's like, why? Are you thinking about leaving? And Anna's like, I don't know, maybe. And she's like, well... If I were you, now's the time to leave before it gets bad. So then she's like, okay, let me just pay my bill. And she goes upstairs, packs the bags because Olivia refuses to go back into the room. Kids these days. And, you know, Ed stays downstairs with her and they get into the car and they start driving. And now she's back in the hospital. And there's a detective there by the name of Detective Little who's sitting there and he's like, hello, Anna. (laughs) Like, what's going on, Anna? And so she's like, what's happening? And he's like, do you know how you ended up here? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I know I'm really high on drugs right now. And you probably know that because they take talks, you know level she had done a lot of pills and so she's like i don't really know i think my neighbor was stabbed i went to go find my neighbor and he was like we found you completely unconscious in your bathrobe in the middle of like this tiny little park with an umbrella just umbrella hanging out and he was like we didn't know if you were homeless or not like what were you doing in that park why were you unconscious in a park and she's like well my neighbor has been stabbed okay so i was trying to go to the park and he was like why did you faint in the park 
And she's like, I don't want to talk to you about this. Like, am I arrested? Like, she's like just being sassy, right? And so the doctor comes in and he leaves the room for a moment and she tells the doctor everything. I have agoraphobia, blah, 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 blah. She was like, I mean, the, the, what do you call it? The police officer is willing to take you home right now if you don't mind. And she was like, yeah, I want to go home. I don't want to be here. You guys know I like being home. You know my medical condition. I want to fucking go home, dude. And so the doctor is like, the only way you can go home. And she's like, I know, do it. And they were like, we have to heavily sedate you because she can't be outside. So they inject her with more drugs. She gets into the back of the officer's car and he starts trying to build a rapport with her. He's like, so like, do you have kids? And she's like, yeah, but she's gonna live with me. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of alone right now. And she's like real sad. And he's like, it's okay. Like I've got some kids. They're really annoying anyway. You know, it's good that your husband has your kid, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, whatever. And she's looking out the window and she's like, dude, if I was not heavily sedated, I would scream so loud seeing the outside world right now that the glass on this police car would break. Like, that's what she's thinking. Mm. Like, she can't think anything of else of like, holy sh**. Like, I'm so sedated, I don't feel it, but I know if I was in the right space of mind, I would flip shit. Like, just looking out the window inside this car right now. And so she gets all the way home and he helps her up the stairs and he's helping her into the house. And she's like, thank you so much. And she's like, thank God. And he's like, do you mind coming back to the police station one day? And like, maybe we can talk about the whole neighbor issue. And she's like, I'm not freaking going anywhere. Like, for, I don't care if you have a block party. I don't care if you have a party at the police station. I don't care if you're giving away the police for free. I'm not leaving this house ever again. Right. And she's like, nope, not a zilch. And he was like, OK, then can we come here and talk to you? because we do need to take a statement this is a serious issue about your neighbor and she was like yeah i don't care just bring him over i'm not leaving this house and so detective little is walking around in her house and he kind of is noticing all of her wine glasses and all of her wine and you know she's got like this entire shelf near her coffee table just filled with her prescription bottles and you know all the movies and she see he sees the cat and you know she's like nope it's just me david and the cat and you know i'm separated with my husband it's yeah, it's just me and the cat, I guess, because I don't really talk to David either. And so then she's like, you know, maybe I should start cleaning. And he's like, yeah, my partner is going to come over. So we're going to ask you about that 911 call. And she's like, OK, well, she starts cleaning a little bit and putting away the pills that were scattered everywhere. And he goes, no, I think you should leave the pills. And she's like, why? Why should I leave them? And he was like, I think we should all see what kind of state you were in when you made the call. And she's like, who's we? And the doorbell rings. The doorbell rings to one female cop by the name of Detective Val, right? And she's a real sassy bus. Um, She's the bad cop. She's really mean, honestly. She's, like, super mean. Like, Detective Little is, like, a little bitch. And she's, like, the bad bitch, big bitch, like, bad bitch. Like, she's kind of mean, okay? And so she walks in, and she's, like, looking around and, like, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, Alistair walks in. What? And she's, like, what the why is Alistair here? And they're like, you need to calm down. And he's like, why is he here? Like, t what happened to your wife? You better tell the Pope what you did to your wife, bitch. You know, and she's all like, calm down. Detective Val is like, you need to take your ass to seat because you're a fucking cuckoo, dude. And so she's like, she's sitting. And she's, Detective Val is like, I don't want to do this anymore. But nothing happened. We went to the crime scene. Nothing happened. There was no woman that was bloody. There was no blood on the window. There was no murder weapon. There was literally no scene at all. And she's like, you are crazy. And so she's like no you're crazy like i swear i saw it like ask him he's he's evil <sighs> and detective val is like let me just 
let me just do this. And so she pulls out her phone and plays the 911 recording. And even in the heavily sedated state that Anna was in, she realized how drunk she was in that call. She's like, whenever it's been a shot. Like she's slurring her words. It's just not a good look. And then the 911 call stops and she's like, well, anyways, I'm not crazy. It happened. And the police are like, we talked to the doctors at the hospital. They said that all the medication you're on causes you to hallucinate. And she's like, I wasn't hallucinating. I saw what I saw and it happened. And they're like, okay, well, they also told us you had a really high alcohol level, like three times the legal amount. And she's like, listen, I saw what I saw. I wasn't drunk. It freaking happened. Well, did anybody else see it? I don't freaking know, but I saw it. What about your tenant, David? No, he didn't see it. He wasn't even home, but I saw it. And Detective Val was like, well, here's my theory. Maybe you think you saw it or maybe you didn't. Maybe you got really drunk, you took these medications, you were watching a creepy movie, and your family, your friends don't really call you anymore, and so you thought, why don't I get some attention? Maybe that will get my family back. And Alistair was like, I, yeah, my son tells me you're divorced. And she was like, separated, there's a difference. And so then she was like, maybe you just wanted that attention from your husband again, and you called and you said, oh my god, I witnessed a stabbing, or whatever you witnessed. And you just did it for attention. And she's like, oh my God, like you're an evil cop. I didn't do that. Why would I do that? I'm not crazy. If I did that, why didn't I do that yesterday and the day before? This was my first time ever doing something like this. What are you talking about? And then Alistair goes, here's the thing. My wife's been out of town and she's never even met you. And she's like, are you kidding me? She came here twice. First time she helped me because I had a panic attack. Second time. We had wine. We drank. We played chess together. And then you came looking for her. You fucking came looking for her. And he's like, no, I came looking for my son. And she was like, you freaking liar. And he's like, but you also told me no one ever stopped by. And she was like, I lied because your wife is scared of you. Okay, you're scary and you stabbed your wife. Anyways, we played chess together and she came and you made her scream that night. And I called you and you said you didn't hear a scream, but you're lying. And then the cops are looking a little bit confused. They're like, what scream? And he's like, nothing. There literally was no scream. And so then they're like, okay, do you mind just getting Jane Russell? Like if that would just help clear things up, maybe we can have a word with Jane Russell and figure things out. So then she's like, yeah, go get your freaking wife. Let's see how her stomach's doing. So then he's like, okay. So then he makes a call and then in comes Ethan and his wife. And he says, detectives, this is my son, Ethan. This is my wife, Jane Russell. And Anna looks up. I have never seen this woman in my entire fucking life. She's like, who the fuck? You are not Jane Russell. I met Jane Russell. You are not Jane Russell, you hoe. And she's like, I fucking know Jane Russell. I hung out with Jane Russell and you ain't Jane Russell. And she's like, what are you talking about? Detectives, do you need to see my ID? It's, ma'am, this is Jane Russell. This is their son, Ethan. You just had too much to drink and your medication, they caused you to hallucinate, okay? She's like, oh my god, this is a this is a copycat. She's an impersonator. She's an imposter. They're like, oh my god. Alistair's like, what? what uh, why would I lie? Like, this is my fucking wife. Like, what? Why would I just? How would I even get someone to pretend to be my? And the cops are like, it's okay, Mr. Russell. It's okay, ma'am. You've been hallucinating. Okay, 
And so she starts freaking out. They're just accusing her of being hallucinating. And then she goes up to Ethan, who's sitting on the couch petting the uh, the cat again. And she's like, Ethan, Ethan, tell them, sweetie, that's that's not your mom. Tell them, sweetie, that's not your mom. And they're like, ma'am, can you back off the kid, please? Tell him, sweetie, that's not your mom. And he says, you've never met my mom. But that was enough for Anna. Because Anna's a child psychologist. And she knows when a kid's lying. She knows it's the looking away, not making eye contact, picking at his nails, swallowing. But she also knows the signs of fear. He had a clenched jaw. Why was Ethan scared? And why would he lie? So then the whole family leaves. The Russell leaves and she's like, what the fork's going on, right? Detective Val is like, first of all, it's a criminal offense to make a false 911 statement. So next time you do this, we're putting you in jail. And she leaves. She's real mean. She slams the door. Detective Little, on the other hand, says, listen, here's my number. Call me at any time. Just take care of yourself, okay? And it seems like he was worried about her, just kind of seeing the situation of her house. She was super drunk, just like, she's obviously going through some shit. I think he had talked to the doctor about her agoraphobia because that's how he got her into the car and he knows all these things. And so I think he has so much more sympathy. And so they leave and she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. So she calls Bina, which is her physical therapist that she's kind of friends with, asks her to come over and tells her the whole story about the scream, about the, you know, the thing. And she's like, okay, well, did you talk to Dr. Felding about it? And she's like, I'm not being delusional, but I haven't. I'm going to talk to Dr. Felding and I'm going to talk to Ed later. And so then she's like, okay, but are you sure? And she's like, I swear. And she's like, I know that's not Jane. I met the real Jane Russell and that's not her. And so they're like, I mean, it's like, we've got the internet, let's go online. So they start searching online and they again cannot find anything about Jane Russell. They can't even find anything about Ethan Russell. Like he didn't even have a Facebook. And Bina was like, you don't think that's weird? And she's like, well, I mean, the parents are strict and he's homeschooled. So maybe that's why, but I swear something's wrong with Alistair. He's, and you know, Ethan's scared of his dad, I know. I don't know who that woman is, but it's not Jane Russell. And so Bina's like, okay, well, wait a second. If you're sure, then aren't you in danger? Because you must have witnessed something that Alistair doesn't want you to know? And she was like, holy f can you please stay the night? <laughs> so then she's like, okay. So she stays the night, leaves the next morning, and then she's talking to Ed. And she's like, can you believe it? And he's like, wow, that's uh, unbelievable. And she's like, you don't believe me. <sighs> I know you've been on a lot of different medications right now. And I know you believe it. And she's like, I can't believe you don't believe me, Ed. What the fork? And he says what he always says when he has no idea what to say, which is, did you talk to Dr. Felding about it? And so she's like, okay, whatever. So she freaking hangs up and she's like, don't tell Olivia. And he's like, obviously, I'm not going to go tell our kid that you fucking saw someone get stabbed. And he's like, but just please make sure to talk to Dr. Felding about it. And she's like, Ugh. okay, so she hangs up and she's like, ah, I should have photographed this. Like I should have, why didn't I take a picture? Nobody freaking believes me. They all think that I'm this delusional lady. And so she's like, I was watching them, but my whole thing is I didn't want to take a picture. I just wanted to save her. I mean, I wasn't trying to document it. I was trying to do something about it. And she's like, man, what do I do? So she starts watching them again. Now, Alistair had just gone home from work and he was hanging out. And then Ethan's on the computer upstairs and she's watching them through the camera. And Jane's in the living room, fake Jane is in in the living room this new Jane that she never met before is in the living room and she's looking at her and she's grabbing her phone and she's like "Ooh, who are you gonna call Jane right and then all of a sudden her phone rings 
And so she's like, fuck, I'm gonna just let it ring because I'm too busy watching them. And then the voice message plays because the landline, it just plays any missed calls. And it says, I know you know who I am. Stop taking photographs of our house or I'm calling the cops. So she puts down the Nikon camera and she the walks fake away. Jane yeah, the fake Jane. The nerve, the audacity fake Jane has. She said, I know you know who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, meaning that she knows that I'm. Like, who else are they photographing? But it could also be taken in a different context. The small layer could be, you know, who else could you be photographing? She knows that she's fake Jane. Or that could be the deeper meaning. We don't know yet. And she's like, you know what? This is weird. David was there that day with the scream and all of that. And David and has met the wife. Exactly. And so she's like, I'm going to go ask him. So she was playing chess and she was drinking. And that's when she was like, oh my God, I need to ask David. So she goes down into the basement and the basement has like this own living room and a mini kitchenette. And they never really see each other because of that reason. They don't even really share the kitchen together. So she ends up grabbing a spare key, which she had never done before. And the whole time that he'd been living there opens up the basement because he won't answer the door. And so she's like, I mean, this is really urgent though so she starts opening up the basement he's not home she starts walking around and kind of snooping around and she's like surveying there's like condoms over there like he always has girls over right there's a girl's jacket over there and she's just surveying the place and she's like I mean, nothing of importance here and then all of a sudden as she's about to go back upstairs David's in the door and he's freaking pissed and so David is like, first of all, what the fork are you doing in my bedroom? And he's like, she's like, listen, I'm so sorry. It's just really important because like the scream and stuff. And he was like, I already told you, I never heard a scream. And I never met Jane Russell. Like I was literally in their basement doing furniture and I never met her. I was literally, they let me in through the back and that was it. And I'm just a workman. Like, am I supposed to run around asking, like take an inventory of the family? Uh -huh. And she's like, okay. Okay, like, uh, maybe I am crazy. So then she goes back upstairs and her doctor calls her to kind of confirm that she's crazy because he's like, hey, Anna, um, make sure you're not mixing that. Did you get the prescription? You did? Okay, per perfect. Um, don't mix it with alcohol. Like, he was almost, like, he didn't know how to say it. Like, hey, don't be an alcoholic. But he says it, right? And she's like, okay. Obviously, he knows I got a problem. Everyone knows I got a problem. Do I have a problem? And then she starts remembering the affair. Um, she logs back on, and Grandma Lizzie was active. And Grandma Lizzie messages her, and she's like, and she opens it up and it says listen i'm so sorry sweetie i don't i can't imagine what you think of me um my internet shut off and it was the weekend and i couldn't get people to come fix it because i live on like this rural area of montana and it took forever for the internet company to get my service back up i don't want you to think that i was judging you i mean i truly understand i don't want you to feel like just because i lost my husband you can't feel these things you know and so she was like oh like thanks and they start talking and she's like oh well i'm kind of excited because my sons Bo and william are visiting and it's gonna be a lot of fun i hope i can take like a small walk around the farm with them baby steps you know you know and so they start talking and she doesn't tell them the rest of the story but she thinks that she can't help but think about oh like looking up the rest of the chat was about vermont so we get another flashback they had packed all of their things in Vermont and they had gotten back into the car to drive to New York City. And Ed was like, you drive. And so she hops up in the driver's seat, skr, skr, and she's driving through the snow. And there really was not a lot of snow. So she was like, okay, this is great. So she starts driving and she had her phone in the cup holder and it starts ringing and it becomes really tense in the car. And Ed goes, guess who? And she doesn't answer. And he says, I bet it's him. And she doesn't answer. And he says, you can pick it up if you want. Totally fine. And she says, no, that's okay. And he says, 
then I'll pick it up. And he reaches for her phone, and so she reaches back for her phone, and they start fighting over the phone. Olivia starts crying in the back, and she's like, why are you guys fighting over the phone? Like, what's happening? Who is he? Like, what is? what are you talking about? And so then she's like, so she grabs her phone and snatches it away and is like, Olivia, it's okay, calm down. And then Ed starts screaming and she looks up and they had driven off the road. So then she's thinking about it, drinking a wine, and then all of a sudden David comes home and he's like, listen, I want to talk to you, lady. And she's like, okay, like what's going on? And he's like, I went to jail for assault. And she's like, what? He's like, I wanted to apologize for yelling at you about coming into my space. I just get really protective of my space now because I went to jail for assault. Um, Not that type of assault. It was a bar fight, me and another dude. Um, He had stolen something of mine. I fought him. I ended up in jail. And then that was all in, in Connecticut, moved to New York to start over and then I, I I guess I didn't mention it to you because you lived alone and I didn't want you to think like I was going to do something to you and she was like no I, I get it I mean it makes sense it was my fault for snooping that literally is my fault and he was like okay and she's like how do I how do I tell him like I'm really sorry but I still want to talk about like did he ever meet Jane right and then all of a sudden he starts kissing her and they start making out and he carries her all the way up to the top floor but he doesn't know which one's her bedroom so they go into a different bedroom and they do it on the bed and then he leaves and then she realizes it was in olivia's room and she's like fuck and she's disgusted with herself and she's like what would ed say i mean obviously i'm not gonna tell him but i mean this nasty she was really disgusted by herself and then i'm like this strikes again stop cheating on your husband bro and she's walking out of olivia's room and she notices when she gets downstairs to her office that the door of the closet to her office is open now this is weird because when you're an agoraphobic you close all doors and you know exactly which doors are always open which ones are closed even inside your house because that's part of your phobia Mm -hmm. and so she's like okay i'm probably overthinking it so she walks up And she sees the toolbox right in the middle. And she's like, hmm. And she opens it up. And it was the box cutter that she had given David. She's like, okay, I don't know why that makes me uncomfortable when he probably just put it back. But it makes her feel uncomfortable all day. So he put it back without telling her? Yeah. Um, Which is just normal. Yeah. But it made her uncomfortable. And Um, then all day she just walked around feeling uncomfortable. And then she realized, oh, that's why I feel uncomfortable. I remember seeing a pair of earrings on his nightstand, and they were pearls, the same ones Jane's ex-boyfriend had given her that she was wearing. That's why I feel uncomfortable. So I just cut up some Ferrero Rocher's. We top the brownie with them like this. And then because I'm a savage, I'm just gonna take one bite from the middle to show you guys. Wow, it's gooey here. You want a bite? Yeah. Okay, you, you can't have it. No. You take the first bite. <gasps> Don't drop it. Mm. You like it? Wow. Mm. Oh my god. Wow. So rich. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Oh my god. Wow. So good. Mm. That's good. Creamy. Fudgy, yeah. warm. <laughs> Ooh. My teeth hurts a little. Mm-hmm. Me too. Of how sweet it is. Because we're old. <laughs> so 
she ends up calling Al's old workplace, Alistair's old workplace in Boston. And she says, listen, I'm an old college friend of Alistair, an old colleague, and I'm looking for Alistair. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, he's been terminated um, about five weeks ago. And so she's like, is there any way that I can talk to like a former assistant? Um, it's about something that we used to work on together, right? And so the receptionist is like, I mean, I guess, I mean, there's somebody else's assistant now, but I guess I could transfer you to Alex. And so she gets transferred. Alex picks up the phone and Alex is a major gossiper. Okay. So he's all like, listen, yeah, I mean, it's weird because he was originally supposed to transfer from the Boston unit to the New York City unit and everybody loved him inside the office. New York loved him, Boston loved him, he was an amazing consultant. And then out of nowhere, he buys this massive mansion in Harlem, I think it was like $4 million, I looked it up on Zillow anyways. He buys it and then he gets fired. It's so weird. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I was calling because I was trying to reach Alistair. I heard he had gone to New York and I live in New York. I'm an old college friend. I went to the same college as him and I wanted to get some presents for him. I was going to drop by the New York office to deliver the presents, but I guess not anymore. But I was going to get some presents for his wife and I've never met her. So I, I, I just don't know what kind of present would be good. And he was like, yeah, I've never really met her either. And so she's like, oh, really? Interesting. And he's like, oh, shoot. You know, I have a box of his stuff that I've been trying to ship to New York. There's a picture of her in there. Let me go get it. And so he gets it and she's like, oh, well, he, she's got this dark hair and she's pretty pale so I probably wouldn't get anything like a like a thick scarf I mean you know and she's like oh, they both have dark hair and they're both pretty pale and so she's like you know it's just so I can get a better idea of like her color palette why don't you email me the the picture of of Jane and I can um get a good scarf for her mm-hmm. how, how do you know Alistair again um I was an old college friend you know, maybe I, I shouldn't be giving out their information like this. And she says, oh, that that's totally fine. Anyways, what was your last name, Alex? And he hangs up the phone. She's well, being a real creeper, okay? So he got alarmed because... She he- wanted the Gmail of the mm-hmm. picture. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay, last time. So good. I'm like, dun-dun. I'm just kidding. So she hangs up the phone and she's like, oh, this is so annoying. Like, why can't I figure out who the real Jane Russell is? And why is there a fake Jane Russell? And like, why is this happening? And she's looking outside the window when she sees fake Jane Russell get out of the house and she's walking alone. And she's like, I got to freaking follow her. I got to follow her when Alistair's not around. And I got to just drill her with questions. And maybe, maybe Alistair's threatening her. Maybe she's being forced to pretend to be a, this Jane woman that she's not. What happened to the real Jane? So she gets her umbrella and she follows her. And now her way of thinking of doing this is to just close her eyes again and she makes it all the way and she opens up her eyes again after following like her shoes that she had remembered when she had stepped out of the house and she follows Jane into a coffee shop that she hadn't been in in a while because of her agoraphobia like plus 11 months and she walks in and Jane was the first person in line now the coffee shop is interesting because it has this massive mirror behind it so all the baristas you can see what they're doing with their hands and you can also see the customers in the line and so she's trying to hide behind and she's watching Jane like this in the mirror because she can see Jane's reflection in the freaking mirror, right? And so the barista is like, what can I get for you? And she's like, a skim latte. And she's like, okay, what's the name for this? And Jane looks up and makes eye contact with Anna. And she says, Jane. Ah. 
and she walks away. Now Anna goes up to her and is like, tell me where the real Jane is. And she's like, you're delusional. You're psychotic. I'm calling the police. Stay away from my family. And she grabs her latte and she runs out of there. And she runs out after her, but she had run away too quickly. And she can't look at the sky and she can't look up. And so she's freaking out, right? And she starts hyperventilating and she starts freaking out when she feels an arm, like a hand on her arm. And it's the neighborhood boy by the name of Nick. Now he's like, let me take you home. Like, you're going crazy, okay? So he's a teenage boy. She lives, like, in front of them, right? One of the boring houses I talked about. And so he's like, are you okay? Like, Mrs. Fox, like, I can take you home. And so he starts walking her home, and she starts closing her eyes the entire way, and she's just being blindly led home. And they get to the front steps when she hears a voice saying, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be outside. And it's Ethan. Mm. And she looks with one eye, and he was like, I can help her back up. It's fine, Nick. And so he grabs her and helps her back up. And now she's all alone again with Ethan. And she says, listen, what happened to your mom? What happened to your mom? And he says, no, you'd never mind my mom. You're mistaken. My my dad says you're confused. My, My dad says you're not right in the head. And she's like, upset she's like annoyed with this and she just screams at him and she says is your dad is your mom dead ethan and he looks at her and he says i'm scared and he leaves now is he scared of her or is he scared of his dad Mm -hmm. she interprets it as he's scared of his dad (laughs) so then detective little calls okay and he's begging her. He says, this is Detective Little. Listen, I just got a call. You need to leave them alone. You need to leave them alone. This is not good for you. The Russells, they are very intense people. You don't want to mess with them. Just leave it alone. I don't know what you saw, but you didn't see what you saw. And she says, you don't believe me, Detective Little? Like, you don't believe me? Like, I'm not crazy. And he says, listen, I believe you believe yourself. But I just don't. And he hangs up on her. And now we're back to another flashback of the accident. So the car had been flipped upside down and her entire rib cage and her back felt broken. Her throat is on fire. Her throat felt like it had been severed, right? Um, There's glass everywhere. The airbags were all deployed and Ed is unconscious and she looks back and Olivia's like, mommy, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's like, like Ed's unconscious I gotta do this all so she drags both of them out of the car and she feeds both of them a bunch of like peanut butter jelly sandwiches and some drinks right and she tries to call 911 like eight times there's no service and she starts freaking out and then she blacks out and the one thing that we can get from this is that she kept talking about the sky like you know she's just she would wake up in a haze because she's blacking out and the sky would just be so big And it just feels so, like, the pressure of the sky felt so intense. Like, there's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And it's just there all the time. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds you how big the world is. And it just was relentless. It felt like the sky was torturing her, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so bad that she, like, ends up, like, howling and stuff. Because, like, she didn't know how else to get help. And that's how the park rangers found her. Because she was freaking howling like an animal. Yeah. um, That's how the park rangers found her. Yeah. I digress. Anyways. Now we're back to the real life. Okay. And we see this email that Anna gets. And it popped up. She was playing chess. And it's an email. And it came from guesswhoanna at gmail.com. That's the email address it came from. The subject of the email was Jane Russell. And attached was a photo of freaking Anna sleeping in her bed. There's no way it could have been taken from outside the window this had to be taken from inside of her house so she's like holy shit like she calls the police she calls detective little they say okay calm down anna we're on the way like how do you know this person's still not in your house you know and she's like 
And so she's like, hurry up. Now, what does one person do when they think someone might be inside their house? She's like, I need a glass of wine because I can't handle myself. So she goes down into the kitchen. She starts pouring herself a glass of wine. But because she's shaking so much from the fear, it spills all over her bathrobe. And so she takes off her bathrobe and she starts wringing out the bathrobes like this, right? And um, she opens the drawer and she's like, the, the blood won't get, or the wine won't get out, right? Sorry. Oh That's a, a true crime slip up, okay? Um, the wine won't get out. And so she's like, oh my God, what do I do? So she opens a drawer with napkins in it and she's like what the fuck uh -huh. and she sees the picture that jane russell had drawn drawn of her the the day that she came over to drink wine yeah so she didn't imagine that yeah someone came over and drew a picture of her and it was signed jane russell so she's looking at this and she has a moment of clarity and she looks outside the kitchen window and ethan had just exited the townhome right uh -huh. and so she opens up her window for the first time uh -huh. and she screams ethan and he looks and she goes, I know. And he looks at her and then just like this crazy lady, you know, like the crazy lady shake, right? Mm -hmm. And he walks away. And this is when the whole shit show is about to start, okay? So she gets a knock on the door. Now, obviously, we're assuming it's the police, but it's not. It's freaking Ethan. So Ethan comes over and back. yeah, and he says, What's like, what do you mean you know? Are you okay? And she's like, no, I know your mom's alive. And he goes, okay, um, sure, I guess. Like, he's just like tired at this point. Alive? Yeah. And she's like, sure, I guess, you know. And he's all like, listen, I have proof. I have proof that your mom's not your mom. Look, look at this picture. And he's like, oh, cool, I guess, you know. And she's like, that proves that your mom is not your mom, you know. It's a different mom. Mm -hmm. And he's all like, okay. And so he just sits on the couch looking at it. And I'm sure he's confused because it's like, what? How does this prove anything? He's like, my dad says you're delusional. And it seems like he's having a hard time with this word. Like he had just recently learned this word, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, just you wait. Hold on. The police are going to get here. I'm going to show them that picture. And then everything's going to be settled. I met Jane Russell. Then the doorbell rings again, and this time it's the police. And she shows them the picture of the Gmail first, right? She says, listen, this is the picture of them taking a picture while I was sleeping. Someone was inside my house. I know stuff that I'm not supposed to know, a.k.a. Alistair killed his wife, ha <laughs> right? Yeah. And so she's like, what do I do? And so Detective Val is like, really? Let me look at this. And they say, here's the first problem. Gmail addresses, they hide their IP. So we can't just track it. It's not that easy, right? And second of all, how do we know that you didn't take this picture like a little selfie, like a they caught me slip-in moment like how do we know and so detective val is like i think you took that so that you could get more attention from your little husband and stuff like that right mm -hmm. and she's like why would i take a picture of myself sleeping that doesn't make any sense and then they're like okay well are there signs that someone was in your house did someone break in did someone steal anything like did you let somebody in did you open your door to somebody and she's like no and they're like, so the only person who could have taken a picture of you sleeping was you, the cat, and your tenant. Yeah. Well, where's your tenant? Mm -hmm. He's not here right now. And then that's when the third doorbell rings. And it's Mr. Russell. And he's screaming at Anna. He says, my wife just looked out the window and you were screaming something at our son. What are you doing? I told you to leave our family alone. And so then the police are like, okay, Mr. Russell, like we're handling it right now. Like it's going to be okay. And he looks at the police and he's like, did you know this woman's crazy? She calls my old workplace. She calls our home. She calls my son. I mean, she, she followed my wife to the coffee shop. Did she tell you that? That she stalked my wife to the coffee shop? And then she's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So Anna grabs the picture that she had given Ethan that Jane Russell had drawn of her, shoves it in Mr. Russell's face and says, see, I know your wife. 
And his dad says, Dr. or Mr. Russell says, you don't know my wife. You don't know anyone. <laughs> you know, you stay in your house and you watch people. You don't know anyone. And you invented this weird story in your head that you met who you think is my wife, which probably is nobody. It doesn't even exist. And you think that you met my wife. You are, it's not even real. You're harassing me. You're harassing my son. You're harassing my family. And you're delusional. And then the doorbell rings again. And now David's home. And David's like, why the fork is there a party in this house? Why the fork is there police? What's going on? You know? And so he's Mm -hmm. looking all confused and he's like, okay, well, I just got home. So I'm going to just head back down. And the police are like, hey, like, let's just have a little chat. The infamous David, the tenant, we haven't talked to yet. So David, have you ever met Jane Russell? Nope. You worked for the Russells though. Yeah, but I was just assembling furniture in the basement. Okay, uh, did you hear a scream ever? No. Did you see the assault on Jane Russell? Nope. (sighs) Nothing. (laughs) This is weird, right? And then she's like, you're lying, Anna. To David. Uh He's like, why would I be lying? And she's like, you have Mrs. Russell's earring. You have Jane Russell's earring in your room. He was like, no, that earring belongs to a girlfriend. Well, not even a girlfriend. This girl that I just saw for a night, her name's Catherine. Um, that's about it. She left it and should have called her to give it back, I guess. What is going on, right? And she's like, don't believe him. And the police are like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, You can just go back to your room or whatever, whatever you need to do, right? And she's like, don't believe him. He's been in jail. He's a criminal. Oh, man. And so he looks shocked, and everyone just looks disgusted by her because who says stuff like that? It's so bad, right? Yeah. And she's like, you guys believe him, but he's a criminal, and I'm scared for my life, and nobody believes me. Uh And she's like in the brink of tears. And that's when Detective Little looks at her and says, okay, um, please have a seat, Mrs. Fox or Dr. Fox. I know you're scared. I know it's really hard, okay? And... You know, I talked to the hospital doctors and we all talked to Dr. Felding and we know that you don't get to go outside and, you know, your drugs cause these hallucinations, right? And um, you're all by yourself and I was worried about you. Just, you know, you don't really have a lot of friends or family and I just, you're all by yourself. And, and, and she knew what he was about to say next. And she thought to herself, you know, at least it's Detective Little who's about to say it because his voice is kind and he's warm and he's nice to me. And she's bracing herself for impact when Detective Val turns around and looks at her and says, Turns out your husband and your daughter are dead. What? Detective Little holds her hand and says, Your doctor told me everything. It's okay. So she starts crying quietly. They said they, they found you at the bottom of a cliff. Your car was flipped upside down and um, you had spent two full days just out laying in the snow like you were half frozen. Um, you've been through hell. <laughs> and that's when it all started. You couldn't leave your house. You didn't like the sky. Dr. Felding says that you, um, you sometimes hear them and you talk to them. Oh my god. And he says, I know the medications cause hallucinations where you think that, you know, maybe you thought they were still alive or maybe you didn't care. But I need you to let this one go, okay? 
Jane Russell is fine. And I don't know who you met, but I don't know if you met anyone. But nobody's been hurt. And she looks up, and Alistair and Ethan look disgusted and shocked. Okay, they're just like, what the fuck, right? And David looks at her and he goes, so the girl in all these pictures? The husband you wanted me to keep the, the basement clean for because he uses that as a workspace? And he just left. He walked out. He was like, I'm going, dude. And so he left out the front door. And Alistair and Ethan walk out the front door. They're just like, oh my god, this is creepier than I thought, right? And then Detective Val, she's trying to be nice now. She's like, you know, there, there's a lot of people, a lot of good people who you can talk to about things like this. And they can help you. And she leaves. And Detective Little looks at her and says, I, I mean, I get it. I don't know what I would do if I ever lost my kids, but call me if you need anything. And he leaves. And now she's all alone. And ever since the death of her family, she had never heard the words spoken like that. They're just dead. And she looks around and she grabs her wine glass and she brings it to her lips and she throws it across the room to the wall and screams as loud as she can. And she goes down a spiral. She realizes she imagined the whole thing. Jane was never real. She must have drawn this picture by herself. And then she hears Olivia saying, Mommy? And she says, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. You're not real. You're not real. She starts getting depressed. David ends up moving out. And she just becomes a zombie. She realizes she imagined everything. I mean, think about it. Their birthdays were the same day. Like, what the f like she she's literally crazy she's almost grossed out by herself she like wants to throw up at how disgusting she's become yeah. and then she's like okay but what about that picture of the gmail she goes onto her iphone it's in her photo roll she she took the picture <sighs> she goes to her study and she's you know trying to play chess online and she's like, I can't, I can't believe I took the photo. I sent it to myself. Like, how drugged up do I have to be? Right. And she goes to Gmail and she starts typing in G-U, because you know how sometimes it autofills if you had already been signed in before? Uh -huh. And guess who? Anna at gmail.com autofilled. And she's like, holy shit, I sent this to myself. Disgusting. And so she goes and she tells Grandma Lizzie everything that, you know, her family died because she had an affair when she was married and she got into a car accident fighting over the fact that the person who she had an affair with was calling her phone and then ed and olivia died she was out in the snow and that's why she can't go outside and you know grandma lizzie is like oh sweetie it's okay you don't have to be ashamed and she was trying to talk to her and she was like i just can't do it and she logged off and decided she was never going back on agora right and she's disgusted with herself she's just sleeping just nothing remarkable taking meds drinking some more alcohol and then she notices that the cat's limping and she's like like th this is how disgusting I am like I literally haven't showered in three days I didn't even notice that I had a cat for the past couple days and now it hurt its paw Ugh, right and so she's super frustrated and she's like how do I even how do I get this cat to get I'm gonna ask Ethan to go get the cat's paw fixed maybe Ethan can help me if he's not so grossed out by me a couple days pass Ethan comes over and he's all like how are you oh punch oh how's your Huh, right and she's like can you take him to the vet and he's like yeah what happened and they have that conversation and he's like are you okay i just wanted to apologize i know we looked really shocked we didn't know and if i had known that you had been through so much already i i wouldn't have come to you with all my stupid problems about my friends in boston and i'm sorry 
And he says, but I have a phone now. And, you know, my dad's trying to be nicer, I guess. I don't know. And she's like, okay, well, I'm over it. Like, I'm delusional. <laughs> I imagined your mom to be someone she wasn't. I'm sorry. I know now that it was solved my mind. But if you ever need a place to stay, here. You know, that's the key to the house. You can go into the basement and have like a little teenage boy room, I guess. And he says, uh -huh. really? Like, I can bring my phone and play games? And she's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so then he leaves. And then she's back in her study playing chess. And she's like, I'm just going to drink and play chess until I die. And so she's drinking again. And she's moving. And she's like, fuck, I had spent three hours just winning, 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 winning. When all of a sudden she lost. Because she had moved one of her pawns, like, the wrong way. One of her pieces. And the person who was playing chess with her online literally messaged her and was like, WTF, bad move, lol, what's wrong with you? And she messaged back, okay, sorry, I thought it was the piece, but it wasn't the piece. I thought it was a different piece, you get it, anyways. And then she's like, wait a second, a different piece? She's like, what if that is Jane Russell? But that was never Jane Russell. And she starts thinking. And she's like, oh my god. That, that, that was... What if that's not Jane Russell? What if the person I met, I don't even think she's ever told me she's Jane. I remember saying, oh, you're Jane Russell. And I was so embarrassed because I've been stalking them. What if that's not Jane? But, but that doesn't explain anything because why wouldn't they just tell me that that wasn't who... That doesn't make sense. But how did she also know so much about the Russells? And I, I, I feel like I saw her in that living room. Like I saw her face and... Remember, she waved high, so why was she in that house if she's not Jane Russell? And so that night, she's laying there and she's thinking about, oh my god, what if it was like a mistress and then they got caught and then the real Jane killed her because she was like, don't fuck with my husband, literally. And she's thinking all of these things and she's laying in bed when all of a sudden, she hears glass breaking in the kitchen. And she grabs the box cutter and she runs downstairs and she's like, okay, I can't find my phone. How do I call 911, right? And she hears a voice. Mrs. Fox, please join me in the kitchen. And she knows this voice. It's Alistair. So she gets to the kitchen and she's about to turn on the lights when he throws a wine glass at her hand and says, keep the fucking lights off. And he starts coming up to her and he says, listen, you're a real creep, you know that? And he's like, I don't want you around my family anymore. And she's like, I'm going to call the police. And he's like, you're going you're gonna to call the police. Okay, here's your phone. Call the police. What are they going to do? They think you're a joke. They're probably not even going to end up coming here. It's probably going to take them three hours. He's wearing this big hoodie and these gloves. And she's like, holy f right so she's holding on to our box cutter and she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna hurt you and he's like okay sure and he's like i know you gave a key to ethan and he tosses it onto the counter even if you weren't such a weirdo i wouldn't want him hanging out around a grown woman and she's like oh, fuck, that's so embarrassing right and she's like i'm gonna kill him and she's like i don't know what to do anymore so she's she's like i know i know jane and so she screams at him who was that woman who was that woman if that wasn't Jane Russell that I met, who was that woman? And he rushes over to her and slaps the box, box cutter away from her hand and starts choking her. And her vision gets blurry. She starts crying. She starts coughing. And he says, you're delusional. Stay away from my family. Stay away from my son. Stay away from us. And he slams her up against the wall. And he says, remember this. Please. And he leaves. And the next morning she wakes up and she has bruises everywhere. 
She can't call the police. They don't trust her. She doesn't know what to do, so she turns on a movie, she's drinking some more wine, and she gets an alert on her phone that there's about to be a flood warning. And she's laying there, depressed, and she's like, holy shit, I just got choked out and I can't even call the cops. And she looks at her phone and she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna... I can't do this anymore. So she goes to her camera roll and she's about to delete the picture of her sleeping because she's like, I just need to get rid of this. I need to stop looking at their house. I'm just done with this. I'm done with all of this. I'm losing my mind. And he just choked me and I'm, I'm in danger. So he del she deletes the photo and then the last photo pops up and has a picture of the sunset. And in the reflection of the wine glass is the woman she met. Uh. sitting there and so she calls Ethan immediately and she says Ethan come I know the truth and she's thinking about okay should I call the police first no I can't call the police first I have to show Ethan this and I know Ethan is scared of his dad but once he realizes it's okay we have proof to take his dad down he's gonna be on my team right and so she gets Ethan to come over he comes over late at night and he's like oh like what's going on is his pa okay like is it about the vet and she's like sit down I need to show you something shows him the picture and he goes Oh, and she says, who is that? That's my real mom. What? You're adopted? And so he's like, it's, it's a really weird, long story. Um, that's my biological mom. She gave me up when I was five. She did a lot of drugs and I was adopted by my mom and dad. And we wanted to move out of Boston because she kept following us in Boston and she kept trying to talk to me and my parents didn't want her to talk to me. And, and then when we moved to New York, she found me and she came and she said she, she's clean now and she wants to have a relationship with me. And so I told my parents, I told my dad first, that I'm gonna talk to my biological mom because I'm almost 18 now and I can do what I want now. And he got really mad. And he sat her in the living room and told her she's never allowed near me ever again. And then my mom came home from Boston. She was on a trip. And you know, my biological mom, her name's Katie. She thought that maybe she could just talk to my mom about it from like a mother to mother because my mom's nicer than my dad. And she talked to my mom, but then I heard screaming and my mom stabbed Katie, my biological mom. And she wanted, she didn't want her to take me away. The biological mom told her legally that she was gonna, once I turn 18, that she was gonna take me. And my mom didn't want that. So she stabbed her. And my dad and my mom, and I helped bury her in the backyard. Is that why you moved to New York? I thought something your dad, yeah, it, my dad also got fired. I don't know, something about his boss's wife. Um, my parents were always fighting about it. And I think my mom went to Boston because she didn't want to be around my dad. What? It seems like he had an affair with his boss's wife, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And um, so my mom was really desperate to make sure nothing happened to me because I wanted, it's my fault because I, I wanted to meet my biological mom and I wanted to have a relationship with her and she didn't want that and if I had just told my biological mom no, yeah. So Anna's like, okay, you do know we have to go to the police, right? Mm -hmm. 
And he says, can I please just make them turn themselves in, please? I just, my mom was just protecting me. Maybe if I tell them, the police, that my mom was protecting me, do you think it's self-defense? I don't know, sweetie. You don't think that they'll, they'll think it's self-defense if she was just protecting me? I don't know, but I think you need to go to the police. Okay, okay, I'll call you. I'm just gonna tell them. I'm not gonna tell them you know, but I'm gonna tell them I have to go to the police and tell them everything because I can't live this way. Because he doesn't want her to get hurt. Is he gonna go to the police? Yeah. Like, he's going to tell the parents to turn themselves in because it's lesser of a sentence. Well, that's, they're not going to. Yeah. So she's like, are you sure you're going to be safe? Like, are they going to hurt you? And he was like, they love me. They literally want to protect me. And so she's like, okay. So they hug. And he leaps to go turn his parents in. Like, he was going to go talk to his parents and have them be turned in, right? And so she's laying down, and she's thinking about it. And she's like, holy sh- I thought it was Alistair all along, and it's this random fake Jane that just killed, aka what I thought was real Jane. Like, it was her all along, and she's so good with the police. She was acting all like, I'm sorry, I'm just Mrs. Russell, and I don't know what's happening, you know? Like, she's such a little snarky bitch. I mean, oh my god. And she's laying there, and she's like, I wonder if they went to the police yet. And she's thinking, and Ed is like, you know, are you sure it's okay for him to be just with his parents right now? And she's like, Ed, go away. I can't talk to you voices anymore, right? And then Olivia goes, well, how's Punch's paw? And she's like, wait a second. When Ethan walked in the other day, yeah. I didn't tell him about Punch's paw. I just thought about asking him to take him to the vet, but I don't, th- I don't think I ever... I don't think I ever told him that Punch's paw was hurt. And what did he say? And he said, how's your paw, Punch? Why did he say that? Did I tell him? I don't think that I did. And she's like, I don't think... I don't think that I did. Mm-hmm. And she looks at her cat, Punch, with a broken paw. And she's like, how did he know about your paw? And Ethan says, because I visit you at night. And she looks up and Ethan is standing in her doorway with a letter opener of her bedroom. Uh And she's like, what the fork is going on, right? And she says, Ethan, I I thought you went home. And he says, no. Well, I did, but I came back. You know, I come here a lot. And I have to tell you, out of all of the psychiatrists that I've talked to, you are the first one that hasn't diagnosed me with a personality disorder. Maybe you're not as good at your job as I thought you were. And she's like, what? What are you talking about? Diagnosed you with a person. You know, you, you kind of interest me, though. Um, there's something about older women. I don't know what... Is that insulting? Is that insulting to call you an older... I mean, but you are old, right? I hope that's not insulting. And he starts slowly walking towards her bed and sitting on the bed with the letter opener in his hand. And he goes, you know... I used to do this with my with my dad's boss's wife. I used to visit her all the time at night. And one time she caught me and she acted like she didn't like it. There was a little bit of miscommunication. I liked her and she liked me, but according to all the adults, she didn't, which is a lie. She knew what she was doing. She liked me. And he says, you know, I've got a good idea. Why don't you try analyzing me? Why don't you do it? This is going to be fun. You can fix me. You can talk about my childhood. Come on. It's a little psychiatrist dream, my childhood. You want to know? And she nods. And he says, okay, so I'm born to a heroin whore, a little crack whore. 
and all she does is drugs i remember i was hungry a lot uh she never told me who my dad was that bitch probably doesn't even remember who my dad is and her boyfriends would come over they would kick me they would poke me with used needles and then i got adopted and i was just just as bad i mean nothing is good in life everything sucks yeah and she's like okay um yeah i i she's like come on fix me then fix me she says okay um you you like to hurt small animals yeah i mean well kind of there's a lot of small animals that i hurt but not not punch i didn't hurt him because i wanted to i hurt his paw because i'd come in here at night and like i said i'm allergic and he would follow me around and i couldn't be sneezing and you hear it that's why i hurt his paw it's not because i want to hurt him um you you like to manipulate people Ugh. I don't like to. I have to. Do you remember when I first came over, I had to cry twice in front of you to get you to realize that I'm innocent? It was so fucking hard. And then the scream thing happened. My mom came over and she was like, I want to get to know you. And I was like, get out of my life. And she wouldn't tell me who my dad was. So I started choking her inside the house. And my dad stopped me and you called. And I picked up and I had to be like, oh my God, I'm so sad. My dad's so scary. And uh, then you call my dad, and my dad had to act like everything was okay. You're really annoying, aren't you? You just kept calling. And then the, the stabbing, oh my god. I asked my mom, I said, you know, you can, you can stick around my life, Katie, if you tell me who my dad is. And she just refused. She said, he's not a man worth getting to know. And honestly, I don't believe her. I think she's just saying that because she's such a whore that she doesn't even remember which one's my dad. She's such a drug addict and she doesn't even know and psych i don't think she's fucking clean and so she's like okay and so he's like i heard her talking to my dad about how much she wants to get to know me and i just hate her she's disgusting don't you think just a little crack whore so i grabbed the letter opener and i stabbed her and then i stabbed her again and then again and then you fucking called the cops so fix me and she's he she doesn't respond um and he says does it help that at least i know what i am and she says a psychopath and she said but none of this makes sense and as she's saying that she feels her phone underneath her hip right mm -hmm. and she's like okay all i have to do is call the cops right now and so she's using her phone and she's trying to put in her passcode but her sound is on so she keeps coughing in order to like pretend like it's not working right and she has it pressed up against her leg and he's talking to her and then he looks down and he sees the glow under the blanket right mm -hmm. and he goes <gasps> and she goes <gasps> and then he goes i'm just kidding i changed the fucking password <laughs> On her phone? What? Yeah. It was so easy. You told me your daughter's birthday is November 14th, or dis February 14th, Valentine's Day. And I knew that you were going to use that as your passcode because you told Grandma Lizzie that. What? He's Grandma Lizzie? Yeah. What were her son's name again? Bo and William? Oh my God. You're pathetic. You remember her son's names? Yeah, I came up with those. Like, in the middle of you know doing homework like it was out of nowhere Bo and william what kind of goofy ass names are those yeah uh... and then you told me about the passwords and then you told me about how you were such a that you killed your own family and then so she's like trying to talk some sense into him and she's all like listen you are loved your parents love you it's not your fault your biological mom was a bitch and she broke you but you're not broken you can be fixed and at first he's like oh my god really really oh my God. and at the end he's like okay shut the f 
up enough of this bullshit. And he says, I was thinking, what do you think is going to be better if you fall down five flights of stairs or if you overdose? I'm trying to think. I feel like both are pretty realistic and no one would question it. And I think it's kind of funny that no one would even know for like days that you're dead inside this nasty little house. And so she's just like, what the fuck? And he's like, okay, well, I think a fall would be more fun for me to watch. Yeah, let's do a fall. And that's when she's getting ready and she kicks him with all her might. And then she kicks him in the face again and she starts running. So first she runs downstairs to the next level down. And then she's like, okay, there's no way that I can make it out the door. And Ed and Olivia are talking to her while she's doing this. They're like, get out the door. And she's like, I can't fucking get out the door. And then they're like, get out the door. Get the umbrella and get out the door. And she's like, I can't make it in time. He's going to catch up to me. And so she's like, what do I do? So he comes down to the bottom steps. And what's interesting is that because he's not an agoraphobic, he hasn't adjusted to dark lighting. Like she's really good in the dark because she lives in the dark, right? And so he's just like, where are you? And so she sees him and decides to run up all the way upstairs to the roof where everything was like leaking and shit, right? And so she runs upstairs and she realizes that before Ed had died, they had started a little garden up there and now had become like a jungle. And she's like, holy shit. And so she runs up to the roof. It's raining. It's pouring rain. She grabs these massive little shears, right? Like those gardening shears. And she's like, I will fuck you up, kid, right? And so they start fighting. And he's like, listen, you're going to either walk off this roof or I'm going to push you off this roof right the fuck now. And he starts trying to strangle her. Mm-hmm. And that's when she says, no, stop, 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 stop. Your mom told me who your dad was. And he's like, you're fucking lying, you little lying ass and she's like no that day when she came over she told me and she keeps choking her and then she goes he was an architect and he loves old movies black and white movies and he calls her slugger so she's just thinking of ed and he stops choking her and he says he died he died he died before you were born and that's why your mom started doing drugs she she went off the deep end and he looks a little bit confused And so she decides to hug him and she's hugging him and it seems like he's shaking, like he's crying. And she turns around as she's swaying him, fixing positions with him. And then with all her might, she pushes him onto the skylight. Remember the ancient skylight that needed to be replaced, foreshadowing? Yes. And he falls all the way down, four flights, and he dies. Oh my god. She calls the police. And the police apologized to her. They believe her? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Based on what? Um, because Alistair confessed to everything and he was taken in as an accomplice. Apparently, Jane had no f-ing idea about anything. Real Jane genuinely thought she was delusional. So the two dudes never told her anything. Wow. And she is now back on Agora. And she goes up to the rooftop sometimes. And that's the woman in the window. That's going to be on Netflix. So I think Fox Studios produced it. And then it was supposed to be in theaters. But I think Netflix bought it because, you know, Corona. When is it coming out? No date yet. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I thought it was David. Me too. You thought it was David too, right? And then I knew at one point, I guess, the sun. When the dad came in that night, mm. I thought of the son. Why? Because the dad came in right after the son. That means the son told the dad. Mm. So I was like, what? Why is the dad here? And the dad didn't kill her or the dad keeps saying, staying away, stay away, stay mm-hmm. away. So I'm like, no, you know what I thought? What? I thought that wasn't 
that wasn't his um that wasn't his real mom. I thought that was the son's girlfriend. So the dad was killing the son's girlfriend somehow at first, and then I thought it was the son wanted to kill the girl, and then the dad covering up for the son. Yeah. Damn. Goddamn. Yeah, this one is confusing. This one's very confusing. This one, honestly. Yeah. When did you see it coming? The how's the paw punch? I tried to play it off better, but in the book, immediately when he says "how's your paw punch," I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Oh. Yeah, I tried to kind of smooth it around because I didn't want to give it up where I got it, mm. but it was hard. So you, when you saw that line, you yeah, like, it's the. Uh huh. I thought it was like a mistress. So you didn't see that coming at all until that line. Uh huh. Ah, little psychopath. <laughs> little psychopath having ass bits. I would say this one is probably. It's funny because I feel like this one is much more unrealistic than even the Lock Every Door book, which is literally about an organ transplant hotel yeah, where they yeah. have a hundred and twenty-six victims. Which honestly, in my brain, now that I'm saying it out loud, how does that even make sense? There's no way that that's realistic. But this one, I don't know if it was the way that it was written. It felt a little bit more unrealistic yeah. than the other two books. Yeah, it feels unrealistic. Yeah, it just feels kind of like. A lot of crazy hallucination. Yeah. A lot of crazy mind. Mm -hmm. I will say a lot of people had a controversy over this book because it is so similar to a previous book that was written called A Girl on a Train. Yes. And it's become like a whole genre. And I would say that I'm not really into this genre of like a alcoholic, unreliable narrator. Yeah. It's just not my favorite to read. I love the plot. I would probably watch the movies, but like to constantly hear about how much they drink is just not my cup of tea. Like I get it, you love mixing pills with wine. You don't even understand how many times, how many chapters I've wasted on that. What would you give this book? Like a four or five. What? Which is crazy because so many people love it, but it's just I don't think it's just my. It was too much of a slow burn. It burns so slowly, and then all of the last crazy action happens in like the last maybe fifty pages.、Wow. The rest of it is just like she's just like drinking my love again. <laughs> I'm like, if I wanted to watch people drink, <laughs> I'd watch a reality TV show, not read a book. <laughs> Be it. So let me know in the comments what are your thoughts on this one. Did you enjoy it? And what do you think of my Ferrero Rocher fudge brownie that nobody gives a f about? <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you guys for my audio listeners. I'll see you guys on Wednesday with another true crime, a dark one, a dirty one. It's gonna be intense. But for my visual listeners, I'll see you tomorrow, bits.